If we don't reform, ratepayers will be facing bills of up to $20,000 a year just for water. Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a recess week, but that doesn't mean we are short of things to talk about. We've finally had the Three Waters reprioritisation that was promised when Hipkins became PM, and there's been a couple of significant moments in Parliament to discuss as well, including a message to the wrong group chat. Call Lillian Hanley I'm Lillian Hanley, the One News political producer, and with me to discuss all this are the most clever and quirky of New Zealand <laughs> political reporting. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourselves? Kia ora, uh, I am Felix Demaray, and I am the digital political reporter for One News. Kia ora, Kushla Norman, reporter. And I'm Benedict Collins. Also wow. a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Kafai, let's uh, jump into it. The big news of the week is the attempted reset or rebranding of the Three Waters reform. This is the policy the government announced back in 2020, and it wasn't until 2021 where opposition to this really ramped up. Firstly, because councils were not so keen on being forced into something, but also because the narrative against co-governance took off and people were opposed to the plan to have Māori representing half of the governance groups set to oversee see these entities. There's been a lot of criticism more recently at the vacuum Labour left around owning the narrative of their own reform, actually selling it to the public, uh, and that's been one of the main problems, it seems. Benedict, you were at the announcement yesterday. Do you think the government's managed to turn this around? Well, yes and no. I think it was pretty interesting, actually, yesterday. So the, the, big, the big gist of it was they had proposed, you know, those four um, entities around the country to manage your three waters, your wastewater, your your stormwater, your drinking water, um, and uh, you know, mayors around the country, councils around the country, they felt that this was they were losing control over the assets that they had, you know, um, invested in over many, many, many years. So what the government did yesterday said, hey, we're not going to go with four, we're going to go with ten of these regional entities. Every mayor in the country gets to have a seat at the table. They all get to have you know, a voice in, in, in what's happening in the, um, with infrastructure, water infrastructure ar- around the country. And Kieran McAnulty yesterday, as he said, you know, he, he was really confident that they've got it right here. They, he, he thinks they've found this right balance and they've managed to flip lots of these mayors who were opposed to Three Waters, they've managed to flip them over and, and now they're in favour of Three Waters. So the government's taking it as a real success. On the other hand... What the big benefit of having four regional um, water authorities was you get these economies of scale, right? They can borrow much more money, they can, uh, at better rates, they can invest into water infrastructure, uh, just at vast, vastly better kind of, on vastly better financial terms. And by going to 10, you lose quite a lot of that. So in kind of kowtowing to these mayors all around the country, they've actually delivered a worse deal for ratepayers, right? So people are still going to pay thousands of dollars more now in order to have their local mayor sit on this, you know, local board that controls um, water infrastructure. So yes and no. And I which for many, sorry, Kush. No. Um, which for in many regions, uh, many of those district council um, rohi, peop- not that many people vote for those mayors in the first place. So it's, it's you know, it's an interesting thing that that, that narrative around community 
uh, a community voice has been really pushed when actually a lot of people don't seem that engaged in local politics anyway. Yeah, and that was one of the points I think Joe Moyer um, from Newsroom's political editor made yesterday out in the stand-up, like, hey, do people really, do they care that much whether or not they're, you know, local mayor that 40% of people voted for is sitting on this board? And she's written a really interesting um, opinion piece or analysis piece this morning on that. So after listening to this full podcast, you should check that out. Newsroom.co.nz and then head to onenews.co.nz, of course, too. (laughs) Kosh, what were you trying to say? Well, I just thought it was interesting on the sort of the flipping of the narrative by the government because when Three Waters first came out, I looked at the ads at the time, right? And you, Felix, also looked, showed us some of the old (laughs) websites. Um, And the ads were these these quite cutesy animations Mm. of kids doing manus, and it was all about healthy, clean, safe water. That was sort of the undercurrent, excuse the pun, going on there. But now it's flipped on its head. We're in the cost of living crisis. This is suddenly all about the money, all about the savings for ratepayers. Despite actually making less savings now because of the rebrand. Correct. But Kieran McAnulty was yesterday asked, why didn't you push this message all along? Well, he said, you know, that... Um, one, he wasn't in charge of it back then. Um, you, you know, he really has taken over. And I thought it was interesting yesterday. He said, you know, since he's been in this portfolio, and he was an associate minister as well before that, he's got around every single, um, either by phone or visited personally, every single mayor in the country over this. He's put a lot of work into that. And he really did kind of dominate yesterday's press conference like the Prime Minister really kind of played second fiddle to Kieran McAnulty it was quite an interesting on purpose by but it seemed as well like Hipkins did stand back and let him let him be the local government minister and and he seemed to um, thrive on that and he went straight in um, and this was sort of quite a popular turn of phrase that he used G'day, here's the guts of it and we'll (laughs) play that grab now where he's explaining the rationale for Three Waters here's the guts of it up to $180 billion local councils need to find and they can't do it by themselves because councils are individually either at their debt cap or if they're not, their communities can't afford to pay any higher rates. That's causing the problem. So individually, they're stuck. And so I wrote an analysis piece for onenews.co.nz um, which uh, sort of talked about that that laconic style that Kieran McAnulty has that, you know, I was standing there thinking, this guy reminds me of John Key, but almost like on steroids, you know, um, even like much more of that Kiwi everyman. I just think that that kind of thing will go really well um, with middle New Zealand and that kind of voter base that Labour are trying to talk to as well. Um, yeah, that, um, you know, here's the guts of it. Yeah, I think we nailed it. You know, just talking like a human being rather than a politician. Talking about Which, of course, is a Venn diagram. Yeah. Here, but. Something, <laughs> something else that he also raised was that he, in going and meeting with, uh, you know, all the councils around the country, it actually took him quite a few councils before reaching opposition to co-governance. So it really came down to this kind of, it was an issue about councils having a say or not. Um, And actually what we saw in the rebrand was that co-governance or those elements of it, this kind of commitment to having a 50-50 representation on the regional governance boards, not the actual board itself, uh, that that stayed. They, they're committed to having that representation of iwi. I got a bit of whiplash because of Hipkins' comments on this yesterday. I was highly confused because he said 
look, it was never about co-governance in the first place. And uh, we did have discussions about it at some point, and we did consider full co-governance, but that actually got taken off the table. The thing is, though, from my memory, that was never communicated that co-governance got taken off the table. I can't think of the time, the date, when and why that was said. Um, and he did acknowledge that the communication around co-governance had been poor. Here's a bit of him saying that. So, so let's be clear about co-governance. Co-governance, uh, as it's traditionally understood, was taken off the table in the Three Waters um, proce reform process some time ago. There was an early discussion around whether a, a full co-governance model should be adopted here, and ultimately the government decided not to do that. Um, we have something different. So we have regional representatives groups uh, which provide a partnership opportunity, but the governance model for these entities is a professional governance model, as we have for many other public service entities. This week we saw him coming out um, on an interview on, a, on, an, on another website <laughs> um, with the Hui, uh, he, he acknowledged that they had basically left Mahuta out on her own to defend that kind of in increasingly controversial policy. That, that was sort of an admission to him. Whereas even last week when we tried to put that to the former Prime Minister, she still kind of wasn't saying that they did a bad job of it. She, and she still wasn't really selling it. Again, that was kind of the issue that this government didn't, managed to sell their own policy her kind of strongest grab there was yeah what what's wrong with having Māori at the table um and something else though that I thought that this again the PM McAnulty even PMO in the kind of communications of this policy yesterday they kept making the point about how mana whenua already have a proven interest to water established by the courts mm -hmm. and I'm like this is not something that you guys were saying last year or you know like this I, do, I don't remember this being a, a statement that you have gone to previously this is now what you were saying it was true then it's true now so why Yet the shift they still will not utter the phrase the word co-governance it wasn't in the press release mm. prime minister wouldn't use it and it really now is people's interpretation of what is and what isn't co-governance. So yes, regional representation level, mm. it is 50-50. Now, uh, Iwi Chair, I spoke to about this, uh, Baden Barber, he said to him, that's co-governance. But then the next level up, so that representative um, group that elects the board, that's based on merit. That is not a 50-50 split. Mm. So what is... What do these words mean? <laughs> and I think that's part of the problem, right, is that some people have argued that co-governance means the same thing as partnership, for yep. example, which is I think the phrase that the key government used to use um, around some of those, well, co-governance sort of-esque arrangements. So, you know, these, these terms don't have clear definitions. I think that's part of the problem. And I think also on a communications sort of strategy front, the uh, I think, I mean, we'll talk for... You know, history will talk for a long time about what went wrong with the Three Waters Affordable Water Reform, whatever the heck it's called. Water um, services. What, what is it called? <laughs> I'll get to that, but um, but I think that a, a big problem with it is that um, there was a defensiveness from day one. Um, I'm not sure what the reason for that was, um, but I think that's what rankled with the public because there was just this sort of yeah, this tension from day one. Um, and, you know, it didn't help that the government first said that it was going to be opt-in for councils and then said, no, actually, it's compulsory. So, yeah, interesting communica communication strategy. But on that front, so... Yeah, on that communication strategy <laughs> front. So yesterday I 
um, as a former um, local government reporter, I uh, followed the Three Waters page on Facebook and opened up Facebook yesterday, as you do, and saw that uh, the Three Waters page on Facebook had changed its name, not from Three Waters to what the Prime Minister had said was the new name, which is Affordable Water Reform, but to... WS, like the profile profile picture was WS. Warehouse stationery. Like <laughs> it was reminiscent of that because it did have that blue logo, same sort of colour. Um, and I believe it said, um, it said water services reform. So I went to the Department of Internal Affairs and asked, okay, well, you know, you've got, uh, the Prime Minister says it's affordable water reform, uh, it used to be Three Waters. It now says WS and Water Services Reform. I mean, WS, for one thing, is different from Water Services Reform because it's only Water Services. Um, and I got a response back uh, from uh, Department, Department of Internal Affairs, Hamiota Balkat, the Executive Director. He said, the government's affordable water reform policy is being delivered by the Water Services Reform Program. Dun-dun-dun. And not that I'd asked, I don't think, but no money is being spent, the quote continues, no money is being spent on rebranding. Our focus is on getting on with water services reform and we will, will, we will be referring to the programme accordingly. So what do we call it now? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I had a bit of a chat with an insider about this and I did have it confirmed that it is affordable water reform. And you have to do it with the Hipkins wink. Um, It's a shame that we can't show that in the podcast. Yeah, sorry, um, audio doesn't work. Yeah, um, when Hipkins was asked, he did a little wink and a slight tongue poke out. Um, (laughs) Go back and watch it on the... Yeah, I might not say anything more about that. Um, But yeah, so that is its name. Um, We we, we did see on Twitter, I thought, which was probably a good good go, somebody are calling it Aotearoa. Oh, Affordable Water Aotearoa. Awa, which is a river, which is... Beautiful, and our also was my first word, so I like it. Let's let's see if that sticks. Perhaps. Yeah, and that that I should say too that government insider said the reason that there is that discrepancy between uh, the Three Waters uh, website changing to Water Services Reform .govt.nz and all that Facebook branding, and that discrepancy between that and Affordable Water Reform being the title, is basically because that URL had already been purchased or secured. And they weren't bothered to change it to affordable water reform. So there's a little they, bit they of a discrepancy. They didn't want to spend any more money on it, right? Yeah. More money on yeah. It's a little, also a little bit hard to put up your protest posters that say stop affordable water. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. It's a bit or, trickier. Or what's Nationals one? Um, water done well. Mm. Stop water done well. Yeah. So it doesn't quite work yeah. in a protest effort. And, and speaking of National, um, they didn't didn't um, make much of these uh, new changes. They basically criticised it. They said that um, it was basically exactly the same program. You just got ten groups now, not four. They're still promising to repeal it. Um, Christopher Luxon said in his stand-up yesterday, um, it was like taking the um, logo off your larder. You're still left with a larder, um, which I've. Which I quite enjoyed. And it seemed that Benedict and I were the only ones in the office who were old enough to understand the larder reference, well, which is not is, about a pantry. I thought it was a pantry. Is it a pantry? Yeah. I thought it was no. <laughs> it's a, it's a rushing car. car. Okay, <laughs> let's not go there today. What we can gather, though, from yesterday and the past couple of years is that it has been, I suppose, a confusing <laughs> process and possibly not the best uh, enacted 
uh, policy by this government. Yeah, and, like, and, so. and it's interesting to see the government like really celebrating yesterday delivering a worse policy for um, the public. And then in the government's defence, they would say, hey, it was either we deliver this you know, new new um, affordable water services, uh, three waters, or, or, or we do nothing, and which is which is unacceptable, right? So I think they've they think they've found this sweet spot uh, middle ground, and the losers, the winners are the mayors, the losers are the ratepayers. I'm conscious we probably need to move on. We do. It's also and, uh, interesting. Uh, I, I think it's been a big uh, it's been a big issue though. Yeah. With. I was just going to note, it was quite funny that there's this massive issue that could be a massive thorn in their side for the election, right? And the announcement was in this car park in Greytown. It was a really odd Outside, setting. like, garden sheds. It was... Uh, what were those it was, it was a water treatment plant, but oh, it was right. essentially... It didn't look like a water treatment plant. We were basically in a car park at a water treatment plant, so... Yeah, it was interesting, right? It was just this kind of little water treatment device inside a container. Yeah, you know, like a which was worth like $5 million. Mm. Yeah. Which is also, I mean, we don't really, I don't know that much about how our water gets treated. And, ha- you know, we were talking this morning about, I mean, three waters. Yeah, we want good, clean water <laughs> and access to it. And we want our wastewater to go away. I think that's probably the general gist of it. Well, we should move on, though. Um, as we record this podcast, we've just heard that Marama Davidson, co-leader of the Green Party, is not going to be running in the Tamaki Makoto seat. Her reason is to focus on the national campaign. Instead, it will be Darlene Tana-Hoff-Nielsen. Kusha, what do you make of this? Well, I think it's interesting now we've got both co-leaders not standing in electorate seats from the Greens. So James Shaw, a while back, ruled himself out of Wellington Central after Grant Robertson and Nicola Willis. You would think that, well, after those two, it would have left it wide open for him. But no, um, now Tamitha Paul's standing in that electorate seat. So you've got the two co-leaders um, not putting themselves in the electorates, focusing on the, the party vote the national campaign, um, being leaders as well. Um, But at the same time, there is a strategy going on with the Greens where they are targeting the electorates, particularly the cosmopolitan inner city liberal electorates. So you've got Chloe Swarbrick, Wellington Central. Central. Oh, beg your pardon, Auckland Central. Um, I should know these things because I'm apparently obsessed with Wellington Central. (laughs) Then uh, Tamitha, I should just I explain said, that an MP who yeah. will remain nameless once said that Kush was obsessed with Wellington Central, which she's obviously not. So <laughs> she's not, she's really not. curious. curious might be um, she's curious. Then, as I said, Tamitha Paul, uh, current Wellington City Councillor, going for Wellington Central. Julianne Genta going for Rongatai, um, and they could put up a fairly good fight. Mm in these electorates, and along with Chloe, if she does, Chloe Swarbrick does Mm. take that back. Um, So this is a pretty good strategy that they have got going on, potentially. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and really, you know, after... uh, Because Chloe was the second uh, Green MP to win a seat after Jeanette Fitzsimons. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, I think, changed things a bit for the Greens because for a long time in between... Jeanette Fitzsimons and Coromandel mm. um, and and Chloe winning um, the Auckland Central seat, the main strategy for the Greens had been for the party vote. But now it seems, I wonder if the Greens are almost, uh, and this, this election will answer this, whether the Greens are uh, entering a new era where they really are legitimately going for 
seats as well as mm. the party boat. And I guess, I mean, the one that you left off, I thought Ricardo Menendez March running in Mount Albert, which, mm. uh, you know, he's prob- possibly not going to get it, but that profile of that seat, it's going to be talked about a lot because it's uh, Jacinda Ardern's former seat, you know, Helen White stepping in there. It, it will be a seat that gets talked about, mm. and so you now have the opportunity to be talked about as part of that wider conversation. So again, yeah, it's a it's also a profile raising mm. Uh, mm. strategy, and and certainly they you know they're always gunning for that party vote as well. So just an opportunity to kind of raise both profiles. Yeah, and I think um, you know. Uh, it was quite a clever move, I think, um, for Shaw to step away from Wellington Central and let Tamitha Paul, um, you know, have a go at that seat. Um, she probably, you know, she's she's similar to Chloe Swybrick, so if they're trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again, you know, they might have a good chance with Tamitha Paul. She has a pretty good shot in that, um, in that she, electorate. She would be the one to do it, right? Mm. Mm. And what did you, what did everyone make of the Greens... List the draft list that's come out with the new rankings. Yeah, a little bit of drama around this as well. Perhaps we can move on to, uh, well, sticking with Green Party news, you might say, um, and list ranking decisions. But uh, some news at the end of last week, RNZ had a scoop um, of some behind-the-scenes communications. Uh, The story dropped just before question time on Thursday, right before everyone was going away for a long weekend. It was a leak from someone within the Green Party and the story outlined uh, a message sent to the wrong group chat by MP Elizabeth Kirikire, seemingly calling MP Chloe Swarbrick a crybaby. She then deleted the messages and apologised in the chat, saying she was jealous that Chloe had a member's bill up during the Green Party's list ranking. Benedict, what was all this about? Yeah, it was interesting stuff, wasn't it? I think... um the best part about all of this is that the uh, message sent to the wrong um, WhatsApp group chat occurred um, when Chloe was speaking on her bill um, that got voted down, her alcohol harm minimisation, I think it's called, bill, um, and the cameras were on her. And in the background behind her, Golrees Gutterman and Julianne Genta were seen staring in amazement and gasping and Golrees putting her hand over her mouth in shock and horror as they saw um, Elizabeth Kitty ripping on Chloe in the group chat, which just happened to be the most chef's kiss, beautiful timing just beautiful. that I think, yeah, it was just so delicious that that happened at that moment. <laughs> and kudos um, to that reporting that, that stacked that up, that checked that out, that it was yeah. precisely so the it, chat. It, it didn't take long for that um, for what had happened to make its way to the press gallery at all. Um, and the Greens responded by quickly dispatching um, Elizabeth Kitty Kitty back to Gisborne and Chloe up to Auckland, get them out of town <coughs> as fast as they possibly could. Um, and the Greens quickly launched an investigation. Uh, they, they started off, it looks like it started off like they were going to have an internal investigation into Elizabeth Kitty Kitty in this message. They said it doesn't meet with their, you know, it doesn't line up with their values and how they treat each other. It now sounds like the Greens are starting to think about possibly bringing in an external person to carry out an investigation because it sounds like people internally within the Green Party, Green Party staff may also have issues with Elizabeth Kitty Kitty. Um, and I guess if multiple people within the party are going to start complaining about her, then you, to do it fairly, you want to bring in someone externally. Um, so, that, yeah, that's not ideal for the Greens, right, um, to be to having this sort of internal warfare um, investigations um, exactly, well, play out sort of um, 
you know, so close to an election, which is exactly six months away today, which is pretty uh, exciting stuff. Very exciting. I guess, and, and going back, I mean, it's playing out as their list ranking process takes place, right? So with the Green Party, they have an initial, um, a sort of a draft list made up, and that's, uh, I believe decided by the delegates and then that initial list goes to the wider membership who can then vote and actually the numbers can change around quite a bit I think earlier on um, Chloe one of those either the 2017 election I think she was placed um, quite low on the delegate list and then in that final list jumped up quite Mm -hmm. a bit so it's a sort of it can change around quite a bit and currently on that draft list, Elizabeth Kirikiri is at number four, which is a pretty good spot, you would think. Um, And so her kind of issue around Chloe having her members bill up during this process was that Chloe, I suppose, would be getting more publicity during that time, and her feeling as though, you know, what she said in the messages was that she really hoped her bill would get pulled the next day because there was another member's ballot happening the next day and therefore give her the opportunity to have a bit of publicity and, I suppose, influence that decision-making process. And and it's fascinating to me that she seems to be, you know, really annoyed that Chloe is higher up the ranking list than her. Chloe's at number three. (laughs) Well, Chloe's at number three as well. It's one... It's one ahead. So it's, it's one ahead, right? But, yeah. but then you look at what Chloe Swarbrick's won, right? She she won Auckland Central, and then you've got the two co-leaders above her. Yeah. You know, it, it does seem she almost pre- preposterous yeah. to me that Elizabeth Kitty would believe that she be she should be ranked higher. I, I mean, I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> apart from, as someone pointed out in the press conference, the, the main thing that we, we've noticed Elizabeth Kitty for in in Parliament since she's been here was breaking COVID isolation rules and being stripped of of her health and COVID portfolios by the Greens. Uh, apart from that, we haven't seen a huge amount from her. And, 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 you know, and I would have thought maybe other Green MPs would have been annoyed that they were ranked below her. I see in 2017, Elizabeth Kitty Kitty was ranked 19. Mm. So in a very short space of time, she has shot up. This must be clearly an endorsement from the membership, right? Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that could be something quite telling too, right? You can see, well, we've had a lot of discussions and, and reporting, especially with the um, James Shaw being rolled from that co-leadership position last year, that there's these kind of separate camps within the Greens and supporting different people. And, and, you, and I think this probably, you know, we might see a bit of that coming out in this particular dispute, you might uh, say, that there are certain people who, who, who do support Elizabeth um, and, and want her to be in there for, for those, whatever reasons those are, and people that do support Chloe, and that might come out, I think, in the next few weeks as, as this investigation plays out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you talk about timing, Benedict, you know, with the, the vision from the House um, showing that exact moment that the text was received. It's the same with the timing of this sort of scandal, I suppose, is that we had that initial list, that's where the delegates see Elizabeth Kitty, which, you know, as you're pointing out as well, like, number four is about the absolute best spot you could have if you're on the list. You know, you've got the co-leaders, you've got a person who's won a seat. What more can you ask for, really? But um, but the, the timing of that initial list coming out and then the scandal, and then we're going to hear from the members of the Green Party what they think. So it will almost be, in a way, a reaction from the membership to what <laughs> they think about the way that Elizabeth Kitty has behaved. And what's just happened, right? Yeah. So it might almost... It could you know, totally backfire on mm. her in a way. The, th- the other thing I want to add, I guess, around this is that uh, in amongst all the reporting of this and this kind of issue coming out, the actual bill <laughs> itself has sort of been 
forgot well not forgotten but I mean it got voted down and mm. this the bill is something that actually Chloe has been working on across party really she you know she's well, the got government she's did got kind of adopt parts of exactly it, right? they've adopted parts of it um, and ignored other parts of it and but also a number of people from Labour actually voted in support of it um, the Minister of Health is one of those people and it, it's it's quite telling you might say that a Green MP was focused more on I guess her own personal ambition, ga- ambition and gain as opposed to the collective um, success or benefit from one of your caucus members having a bill go through at this time. A bill that actually does, like you said, it's called alcohol harm minimisation and attempts to address some of the harm caused in communities and lots of those communities that Elizabeth Kedekidu herself advocates for. So it's a it's a really telling, I suppose, uh, about yeah what is going on in mm. that regard as opposed to supporting your party and the values that the party purports to speak for. Fascinating. A- any other thoughts or shall we uh, wrap up on some pits and peaks? Kusha? Hmm, I'll go for the the peak of the week while letting in more health workers. That is a good thing. The health system is in dire straits, so they're adding another... 30 or so roles um, to this fast track process where now these health workers, everything from physios to dentists to chiropractors and pharmacists, they'll be added and they'll be able to get residency um, straight away. Seems like quite a no-brainer. My highlight, six months to the election today, not only do we have... um, Marama Davidson announcing, you know, her moves uh, or move away from standing in an electorate. Shane Jones tonight up in Northland will be announcing he's standing once again up in the uh, up in the north for New Zealand First. Uh, they're, they're getting their their moves on as well. Has yeah. he had much luck in that seat? Benedict, I think, in the I past? think he's been uh, thoroughly walloped when he stood in Whangarei and uh, Northland in the past. But everyone loves a trier, Lillian. Very, very politically focused bits and bits. Mine is going to be that I have booked my flu vaccine. That's my peak. Uh, for next week, but my pit is that I wasn't able to book my booster, my COVID booster, because I am not 30 years old. But oh, I'm using I this feel so sorry for as you, a Lily. PSA that if you are 30 and above, please do go uh, and get your, your booster for those of us who cannot get it. Never felt so smug to be 34. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, no. Um, I have had my booster. I'm very happy about it and smug about it. Um, my pit is uh, probably around that... Uh, the naming of the three waters thing. I mean, it's this is a reform program that is still about three waters. Um, I I get it. I get why the government wants to rebrand and you know change their narrative. But for goodness sake, it's three waters reform. Um, and my peak is we went on a bit of a roadie yesterday up to Greytown. Me, Benedict, and Matt, our cam op. And um, on the way home, Matt kindly played some Imbop. Um, Benedict hated it. I loved it. Huge fan of Hanson. Absolute <laughs> highlight of the week, watching Benedict uh, squirm while we listened to that. So, now the, the delight in the that. car was disturbing. That, and that was my <laughs> pit of the week. So, um, <laughs> Great song. Yeah. Um, this was One News Inside Parliament, your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. Do you have a burning political question? Want to hear more from us on a particular topic? Send your feedback to InsideParliament at tvnz.co.nz. 
Head to onenews.co.nz for more insight and follow One News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. All the links are in the details for this episode on your app. And if you like this episode, maybe tell a friend to listen. One News Inside Parliament is available on all good and even average podcasting apps where you can also leave us a rating. Hey Te Ra Wiki, catch you next week. (laughs) 